Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Daily Objective. Today, I've got James with me. Hey, James. Hey. Um, and today, we're going to be talking about Tucker Carlson. So I'm going to be leaning on James a little bit. I know about Tucker Carlson, but James is naturally just going to be a bit more immersed in the world of American broadcast news. Um, so, <clears throat> Unfortunately so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, Carlson's obviously a, a huge figure on the American right, very influential voice. Um and obviously, with our focus on uh, the war in Israel and the uh, ensuing anti-Semitism that we've seen um, in the last few months, we're going to be talking about that in connection to Carlson a little bit. Um, because shockingly, what we saw after Carlson was fired from his job at Fox News and he launched his program again on Twitter, in the very first episode, he, ha he had a number of comments to make about the blowing up of a dam in Ukraine and alleging, in effect, that this was done by the Ukrainian government. Um, and he, of course, did it in some very choice language, um, which, James, do you want to tell us exactly what he said? Uh, he, he, in effect, said Zelensky was a terrorist who's in favor of terrorism and has no problem wiping out civilians, and that this was, you know, how dare we... You know, the thing is, is that in the fog of war, Tucker Carlson had a very clear idea of what happened here from the outset, and it was all Zelensky's fault. And you'll find that to be the consistent position he takes, whether it turns out that he's got a kernel of truth behind what he says or not. He hates Zelensky. He does not want uh, the world to be helping Ukraine at all. He is a pro-Putin advocate, and I think there's no other way of, of putting it. He decries the demonization of Vladimir Putin, and uh, he takes the side of Russia always when it comes to uh, their inv various invasions over the last several years of uh, their southern neighbor. Um, on the other hand, Zelensky, he, he has all kinds of choice words. In fact, we'll get to that, I'm sure, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, his recent statements uh, lately. But he's been consistent in this regard. He will knee-jerk his patella reflexes. It's Ukraine's fault. They did it. They have no problem wiping out civilians. They will endanger and starve their own population. Uh, Tucker has said this on uh, a number of occasions. So that's a consistent line he has. He does, he's trying, I think, in general, and this is what warps his view of the facts, to get America back to a pre-World War II, maybe even a pre-World War I isolationist America first policy where America has its head in the sand like an ostrich, no matter what the international threats are. Um, and uh, so he has no problem joining in with uh, appeasement as the policy, which is the natural policy. He It's what we objectivists would call a package deal. Yes, war is a terrible thing. Yes, America has been involved in all kinds of wars that it should not have been, and it has not fought those wars properly. Those are altruistic adventures overseas, whether it's Vietnam or, frankly, the way we handled Iraq and Afghanistan. But he packages that whole deal with uh, a kind of isolationism. We should never go to war. We should never defend our interests. Uh, he really is uh, what you would call... Um, and of many, many, many people on the libertarian right, libertarians, of course, who lean towards anarchism, think America is to blame for everything. And if America just withdrew from the world, the world would, you know, become a better place. Um, so even if there's international shipping being attacked in the Red Sea, even if the whole world's trade is being impacted, it's our fault. And I'm sure if you ask Tucker Carlson, well, you see, it's been our support of Israel, our, our, our uh, you know, uncritical support of Israel. Uh, that has done this. Uh, Tucker Carlson is no advocate of freedom. He's no advocate of the free market. He, when he was forced to leave uh, Fox News in 2023, 
a $12 million lawsuit about him and his producers saying anti-Semitic remarks uh, at work at Fox News. He had the number one rated show on the number one national uh, news broadcast in America, Fox News. And he had to pay out $12 million because of anti-Semitic remarks that his producers were making. So this is not totally, his recent comments about Penn Shapiro are not totally out of context. Uh, they are well within his context of America closing up, putting its turtle head back into the shell and uh, letting the world go to hell as far as he's concerned. Yeah. And so when um, he was reporting on this like, blowing up of the dam, he was kind of in a very sarcastic way, lamenting that uh, people in the West, kind of the establishment figures, liberals, whatever, um, would never look to blame Zelensky for this. Oh, no. And he would and he said, um, you might not you might not get that view if you've recently watched him on TV. What you might see is someone who is sweaty and rat like is what he said. And this was something that picked up a lot of attention um, because obviously something which a lot of people know about Zelensky and was much in the news around the invasion of Ukraine due to the justification for the invasion of Ukraine from Russia's side being that it was because it, the government was being led by Nazis was that Zelensky is Jewish. And there's, of course, a huge history um, in anti-Semitic rhetoric and imagery of the association of Jews with rats and with various kinds of vermin. Um, if Nazis people in the 1930s used this very language. I mean, Nazi publications in the 1930s, Jews are rat-like, Jews with rat-like characters, you know, caricatures. I mean, that really was a anti-Semitic trope that the Nazis promoted in the 1930s. Uh, and sweaty and rat-like, he's calling this Jewish. Uh, and with the controversy, as you point out, the nature of the controversy there, it really stands out as a disturbing sort of statement. He will, and he, of course, in the same breath, questions the malicious motives of Zelensky. He would be happy to do this terrorist act as far as uh, 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 Tucker Carlson is, is concerned. I'm not going to defend Zelensky as a defender of liberalism, but I am going to say, uh, Mr. Carlson, why are you using anti-Semitic tropes against a Jewish leader just because you don't like this war? Would you use similar language against Mr. Putin, who has murdered people, Russians, inside and outside of Russia, his enemy, political enemies? Would he ever use that kind of talk about Putin right now? No, no. It's because he wants America out of the situation that he's willing to personally go after Zelensky and in not so subtle anti-Semitic terms. But as I say, that's sort of consistent with his recent attack on Ben Shapiro. It's consistent with last year's lawsuit about his producers using anti-Semitic uh, language. Absolutely. And so, as you say, so there's a long history of Nazis using that kind of language. And so um, in the 30s, this was the kind of imagery that appeared in um, Julian Stryker's Der Sturmer newspaper, very famously. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've got a little uh, just extract here um, from a film produced by Joseph Goebbels called The, the Eternal Jew. Um, and this is well, he's got Goebbels on his side, so you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is, um, it's not a film I recommend people go watch, but um, in a scene where it shows um, rats flooding down and infesting a street, and then cuts to images of Jewish people, the narrator says, They're cunning, cowardly, and cruel. They usually turn up in massive hordes, they represent the elements of sneakiness and subterranean destruction amongst animals, just as the Jews do among mankind. So that just, if anyone's never seen it from the source, that's the original kind of association. <laughs> Those right? of girls, they're developing it for us, and drawing yeah. it out in all its uh, delightful colors. You know, uh, uh, 
the truth is too that uh, Tucker Carlson, in his attack on um, neocons, and I'm I don't believe the neocons are correct. I think that a lot of America's foreign adventures are just surely uh, surely based on altruism, and we should not be involved. We're certainly not fighting those wars properly. But the point, he is so opposed to American intervention in anything. He's actually questioned 9-11 the 23 years ago on September 11th when New York City and Washington, D.C. and our airplanes were being attacked. He questioned, he became a 9-11 truther and wondered whether it was an inside job and whether or not Islamists as terrorists were responsible at all, or whether it was the CIA or some other uh, inside agency of the deep state that had caused 9-11. That's how intensely he didn't want us to get involved. Uh, at least in retrospect now, he's a 9-11 truther. He didn't want America to get involved. He goes to that extent in sympathizing and defending and covering up Islamist violence and uh, hatred. Whether it's and that's why he can't see the relevance, the connection between uh, October seventh and nine eleven, or any of the terrorist attacks by Islamists in between. He cannot put all, any of those things together. He cannot see a worldwide threat uh, from Islamism. All he wants is America to withdraw and get the heck out. And if that means. Uh, we have to be uh, anti-Semitic about Zelensky, anti-Semitic about uh, Ben Shapiro, uh, anti-Semitic within his own uh, apparently broad- broadcast offices. Uh, Tucker Carlson will do that. Yeah, and um, I think conspiratorial thinking is perhaps the link here um, in understanding why he would think it's um, where the source of the anti-Semitism is, because it because it's shocking when anyone you you really you find has been is indulging in this kind of thinking. Um, and anti-Semitism is linked very, very deeply with a conspiratorial worldview. Um, the oh. Jews are the Jews are at once kind of people who are low and cunning in that kind of way we've just seen, but are also controlling the world, manipulating things, kind of all powerful. Um, and that's kind of a kind of contradiction that lies at the heart of it. And it's something that we see kind of coming out with uh, Carlson's comments. But it's so funny what he said too about American universities. He said, well, why are why are, is everyone getting upset about the anti-Semitism now at Harvard University? Well, the, you know, these uh, uh, wealthy Jewish backers like Mr. Ackerman, who are now pulling out because of the anti-Semitism charges at Harvard and other elite American universities. Did they care? He said he asks when uh, they were uh, supporting this anti-white genocide, this the, all these other ideas that are anti-white uh, that they've been promoting. Um, and it, you know, I'm no advocate of what uh, uh, universities teach, but the way he presents it is, is, though, boy, is there something special about the Jews here on October 7th that we're giving them all this attention? Why, why should Jews be the focus when whites have been attacked at American universities for so long? Now, whites as a class did not suffer anything like October 7th. The Jews suffered. He can't distinguish that in his mind. So all this anti-white, I don't know, again, you can see what the, the, he's sort of race-based in the way he's, he analyzes things. All of this anti-white genocide. Now, that's what he regards immigration. If you were, so he, he argues against, uh, he's a big Trump supporter when it comes to things like tariffs, tariffs even against our allies. 
like Canada or the European Union. He's all in favor of tariffs. Immigration restrictions, even immigration restrictions, the way he defends it is awful because of cultural reasons. They're going to overwhelm us. You know, back in the day, he would have been the guy who said Irish Catholics are destroying America or Jewish immigrants from Eastern Europe are destroying or Italians coming to America are destroying America or the great terrible yellow peril coming from East Asia to America. He opposes immigration on cultural reasons. He wants, in effect, America's white culture to be preserved, and he sees it under threat. And so, it, again, it's all perfectly of a piece. So when he attacks Ben Shapiro, he says, wait a minute, why can't we, America is going to hell in a handbasket? Why should Americans be focused, uh, single-minded focused? And that's, in effect, how he attacked Ben Shapiro. There's this, you, you can imagine what he'd think about us here at ARC UK, <laughs> this single-minded focus over the last three months on just what's happened in October 7th when America is going to hell in a handbasket. Uh, our invasion, our country's unstable. We're being invaded uh, culturally and uh, overwhelmed by uh, immigrants from the South. That's really his pitch. His pitch is a nativist, nationalist, racist, from what I can tell, pitch that combines an attack on those who would uh, say we should do something about October 7th. He doesn't want us to get involved in a war with Iran. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, he's spoken many, in fact, what he said specifically is after uh, October 7th, he said the Biden administration is pushing us into a war with Iran inexorably. And we have to fight this at all costs. Forget the fact that Iranian uh, proxies are attacking international shipping, as they say, in the Red Sea. Forget the fact that uh, American bases in Syria and Iraq have been attacked in a, uh, in a coordinated way from Iran. No amount of international aggression from Iran will stimulate him to get interested. Uh, and as far as he's concerned, people like Ben Shapiro, it must be their uh, obsessive concern with things Jewish and uh, the Jewish state, which he has never really been very sympathetic for. He thinks that we should be friendly with Saudi Arabia. We should, uh, there's no problem with, with uh, you know, making peace with nations that spout the kind of evil um, that creates uh, October 7th or 9-11s. He's perfectly at peace with that. We should appease these people. We should appease Iran. We should be friends with Saudi Arabia. Uh, and it's all the support for Israel is just getting America into all kinds of terrible uh, foreign adventures as far as he's concerned. He does not connect the dots uh, between the terrorism uh, that we've experienced in the last 30 years uh, and 9-11 uh, and October 7th. He doesn't see it as a worldwide phenomenon at all. He wants us to focus narrowly on American interests. And, you know, he's happy to attack Jeff Bezos. He's happy to attack the family that founded Walmart. He's happy to attack leading capitalists, uh, wealthy people. He will attack the free market as such, saying, of course, uh, <laughs> that these people are benefiting. Now, it's true. It's a package deal. Uh, I oppose corporate welfare, as they put it, as well. But he is more than that. He opposes the free market because it is cold. It's anti-family. Uh, and uh, he's no friend of capitalism. Uh, I, want, I want everyone to, to know that. Uh, and this is perfectly consistent with his being no friend of civilization abroad and being blind to the... Uh, violent threats that the West faces mm -hmm. utterly and completely. For sure. Um, we'll just take a pause now and have a word from our sponsor because we have do have a sponsor for every episode of The Daily Objective this week, which is the Ayn Rand Institute. 
Um, so the Ayn Rand Institute invites young people who've read Ayn Rand's fiction and are interested in studying objectivism more deeply with an eye to a potential intellectual career to Ayn RandCon. If you live in Europe, we invite you to apply for a scholarship to join us for Ayn RandCon Europe 2024, taking place between the 8th and the 10th of March 2024 in Amsterdam. Or if you live in the US, we invite you to apply for a scholarship to join us for Ayn RandCon USA 2024 between the 22nd and the 24th of March 2024 in Austin, Texas. You'll have a chance to delve deeper into objectivism and explore its application to a wide array of topics. You'll also have many opportunities to engage directly with experts in Ayn Rand's ideas, as well as meet Ayn Rand University faculty and get to know current Ayn Rand University students and hear about their experiences. The deadline for applications for a scholarship is the 31st of January, 2024 at midnight US Pacific time. And you can learn more and apply for a scholarship at ayrand.org stroke start here. Um, and as someone who's been to Ayn RandCon before, I've just reiterate all that it's a really great time um and getting to go up after the talks and interact with the speakers like ben bear aaron smith um on is really great so everyone should go do that absolutely uh, i can only chime in my support please if you haven't gone to an objectivist conference you really should the social connections are you know the fun you'll have is, is a vital thing you're not alone if you're sympathetic with the ideas you hear uh on this channel uh, you're not alone. And it really helps to know that you're not alone. We're individualists. We can stand on our own. We we sure believe that. But uh, uh, to create, first of all, an international community, but a community of serious students of these ideas, is that if you think that's an important goal, <laughs> participate, join, and you will learn so much. I, there's never been one of these conferences where some important new ideas, important new lectures were, were given. So attend one of these Ayn Rand cons. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and this is a good opportunity to just do the super chats as well. So we have uh, 99 cents from Bonnie. Thank you so much, Bonnie. And then uh, $10 from Jonathan. So thank you so much, Jonathan. Um, just to dig into what you said, because you, you've mentioned a few times what he said about Ben Shapiro. And I think that's important to dig down into for the connection um, between what you said about Carlson and his views on, Im on immigration. Um, because I think what people might hear, if they're maybe a bit skeptical about this, they might hear the initial comment um, about Zelensky and think, oh, well, you know, that's easily done. Um, it's, it, you know, it, it does echo the anti-Semitism, uh, anti but he might not have mean that. It's not proof that he meant it. Um, and that's possible. You know, someone could say something like that and then apologize afterwards, which he didn't do. But, you know, that's possible. Um, but the connection with um, what his comments about Ben Shapiro, I think, are quite revealing as well. So Ben Shapiro, in effect, as you said, he's criticized Ben Shapiro for essentially being disloyal to America. Um, he's too interested in in foreign adventures. He's too interested in what's going on in Israel. And the way he made the comments um, was that he said, if I'm slightly paraphrasing, but I think I'm getting this right, is that I don't have a choice but to be interested in American affairs. My country's been here for centuries. By implication, Ben Shapiro um, has the option of being interested in other countries because his family's from elsewhere. Um, has Carlson specifically said, my family has been in America for centuries. I have no choice. Ooh, ooh. So recent mm. immigrants don't have the... So let's see, if my parents were immigrants from a foreign country, I don't have the same interest that you do, Mr. Carlson, in America? That's a racist comment. And furthermore, to contrast it with Israel and all the immigrant Zionist immigrate, immigration to Israel, well, you see, he's anti immigration, which ultimately comes down, if you think about it, someone who has that kind of a view about immigration as such is a racist. 
they believe in tribalism. They believe people should stick to their own indigenous, you know, territories that they've staked out uh, pretty much. And that's exactly his position. He doesn't believe in the free movement of civilized people around the world is a good thing. No, no, no. That's not, uh, as far as he's concerned, Ben Shapiro is obsessed and ignoring America, as far as, well, my country has got facing, it's unstable, it's on the edge. Well, what was he saying about how uh, terrible things are in America? Well, we can walk and chew gum at the same time, Mr. Carlson. We can, if there's something wrong with America, uh, and of course he's got the, a diagnosis for domestic policy exactly wrong. As I say, his advocacy of, of tariffs, uh, <laughs> enmity to free trade, his opposition to big businessmen for being rich, and being big, mind you, it's not a question just of the the corporate favors they might be getting from government. Being bitch, being bitch, being rich, and uh, a big big are the uh, enemies as far as he's concerned. And he has all messed up on the economics and cultural implications of uh, immigration. So he's become a nativist nationalist sort of uh, in his uh, policies. And if America isn't willing to, and this, he's no enemy of the welfare state. We need to, to give welfare to native born Americans. Why the heck are we giving welfare to these immigrants who are coming across? Now, as objectivists, we oppose the welfare state for anybody. Uh, they may not be the first on our target on our list. As Ayn Rand said, welfare mothers should be the last thing that we reform. On the other hand, uh, uh, we oppose the welfare state just as he does. That does complicate the issue of immigration, but that's not the focus of his anti-immigration problem. He thinks America's culture is also going to be destroyed. And so as America is going to hell in a handbasket, he does it, He thinks we should be ignoring October 7th. And he drops, of course, the entire context. He's a 9-11 truther. Uh, he properly criticizes that we the, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan in some ways. But he, the lesson he takes from it is that America should simply withdraw everywhere at, at all. Apparently, it should be Fortress America, as I say, before the world wars, when America was basically ignoring uh, the rest of the world. You know, America could more safely do that uh, when, uh, I, I don't want to sound like an imperialist, when Br Britannia ruled the waves. Uh, in the 19th century, America's isolationism had, had, in effect, no real negative impact because there was a civilized country out there, frankly. And I know all of our Marxist friends are going to, they may give me all kinds of blowback for this, but the, but the, the point is, is this... The seas were safe to travel and to uh, engage in commerce on because of the British Navy through the 19th century, let's be honest. And uh, it, uh, America not being involved in the 20th century, at least where it mattered, what would what would the world look like if Hitler and Tojo had actually uh, prevailed? <clears throat> something to think about and something, uh, another thing. You know, Tucker hates corporate America because, of course, it is dehumanizing. Capitalism is this uh, uh, anti-family thing. So he, he, he looks at the family and the welfare system. He recognizes that welfare helped destroy um, uh, uh, poor American families, but he sees uh, a much broader issue here. He doesn't for a moment step back and see that the 19th century, which was far more capitalistic, was the time when family values were thriving uh, so well in America. He doesn't can causally connect. So as a historian, he is a lousy historian. He doesn't put things together. He doesn't put things in context. He's a conspiracy theorist. Um, he appears that uh, with his own staff uh, at Fox News to have harbored anti-Semitic uh, 
um, uh, uh, people, producers, and so forth. And now he's going after Ben Shapiro, mind you, a figure on the American right, now a real conservative that I often disagree with, and he's attacking him for being obsessed about October 7th. Now, think about that. The atrocities on October 7th are not worth a response from America or the civilized world, as far as he's concerned. It's basically our fault for supporting Israel by implication. Uh, and anyone who's obsessed, as we are, <laughs> I'm sure you would see us at Ayn Rand Center UK as being utterly obsessed by October 7th. But this is civilization. This is the frontier of civilization. And if and one thing he attacked Nikki Haley for in her defense after October, he specifically attacked Nikki Haley after October 7th. It was at the end of October. She would get us into wars all over the world because she believes that America has an interest there. When, when she said it wasn't just Israel that was attacked, it was America that was attacked, she was right. She was right in a fundamental way. Tucker Carlson says, well, no, America was not attacked. This has no implications for American national security, none whatever. So we should just stay out as much as possible. And he specifically attacked Nikki Haley for saying that uh, the West was attacked as well. And that's why America should get involved. Uh, I have to hear, although I am no neocon, I have to hear agree with uh, Nikki Haley. I don't always agree with her foreign policy, but here I am definitely on the Nikki Haley side as opposed to the Tucker Carlson side. So when you put it all together, his, uh, you know, his attacks on Nikki Haley uh, a couple months ago, his attack on Ben Shapiro more recently, uh, his anti-Semitic staffers earlier, his 9-11 truther nonsense, his conspiracy theories about 9-11. When you put it all together, what it comes to is a nativist American nationalism that has anti-Semitic features, uh, to say the least. Uh, if it, I wouldn't say anti-Semitism is the essence of it, but it's certainly a nativist tribalist American uh, Americanism that he's advocating that has distinctly anti-Semitic features. Absolutely. Um, and the, and I guess the kind of final point about the uh, saying Ben Shapiro is disloyal is that <clears throat> there's a history to that kind of thing as well, uh, certainly here in the UK, um, as documents from sort of about 100 years ago have been unsealed. Um, we know that Jews who were immigrating just after World War I uh, coming to the UK were um, when they applied for citizenship, um, we have the unsealed documents of um, the people who assess them for citizenship, and they rejected them on the grounds that Jews would be disloyal to the United Kingdom. Because, and that's the continuing idea that Jews have this kind of um, internal bias towards other people in the Jewish community, and therefore they wouldn't fight for the country uh, where they called to and all this kind of stuff. So that's, I guess, the kind of thing that drives the point home. And and as you say, when you put all this stuff together, even even if one of them one of them is pretty is bad enough but even if you didn't think one of them was too bad it paints a picture when you put them all together um but just as we round the show up but we've got another super chat from uh fab006 um who's given to chf i actually have no idea what uh currency that is but there you go um who said uh swiss franc there you go two swiss francs in a word tucker is a nazi and that's it i mean he's definitely willing to engage in to to harbor anti-Semitic opinions for sure. And, and is a uh, leaning into his right-wing nationalism, right? So that's certainly true. His aggressive defense of the Hungarian government goes beyond, uh, it seems to me, a defense of Hungary's distinct economic interest apart from the EU. He actually goes into the uh, pro-Christian, 
pro-nationalist elements that he thinks that the current Hungarian government really represents, and he wants more of that. So he gave two long extended interviews uh, with the uh, head of state of Hungary. Uh, and you, there's a whole pattern, there's a, a, a very, very interesting pattern if you do put it all together uh, <laughs> in this sort of way. He, he doesn't like uh, Hollywood. He doesn't like the American media. He doesn't like big tech. And there's this sense that, you know, uh, it's again, it's an anti-Semitic trope about Jews and capitalism and greedy capitalism and the conspiracy theory that somehow the movie business and, and Western media is controlled by Jews. It's he doesn't state it quite as overtly as some do, but it does seem to be an undercurrent to so much of his thinking. For sure, and um, we'll have to bring the show to a close. But there's even there's even more stuff which I forgot to mention. There's so many of these examples, but um, one of the things he was had against Zelensky was that Zelensky was a persecutor of Christians, which of course again echoes the kind of um, deicide kind of blood libel stuff about Jews persecuting Christians from from history. So there's a there's a lot of this. Um, so. Well, if you oppose you know, the Russian Orthodox Church in any way, because it's supporting Russia's war. Now, mind you, the Ukrainians are mostly a Christian. <laughs> they're a mixed population, but they're mostly Christian. So it's astonishing to me that this Christian population is supporting or ever could have elected Zelensky if he's such a Christianator. But the implication from Tucker is that uh, Zelensky is this rat-like figure who has no problem persecuting Christians and would uh, engage in things like the uh, dam being blown up. Uh, because he's, after all, at heart, a terrorist, this sweaty rat-like guy who doesn't mind persecuting Christians. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's it, all we've got time for today. Uh, the reality show is starting in just a minute. Uh, we're going to be talking about the American elections, Trump and Biden, all that kind of stuff. So I hope you guys will stick around and see us then. And thanks so much for joining me, James. It's fun as always. Always. Take care.